Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to an all-new edition of the Metropolitan Report. My name is Alfred Parsar Jr., and this is the one podcast where we talk about any and everything New York Mets. Today is Sunday, May 30th, 2021, and just as a reminder, the Metropolitan Report is a proud member of the Studious Minds Podcast Network, and today on the program, we've got a lot to unpack. Uh, Several players getting ready to come off the injured list, a couple have come off the injured list. Uh, a couple of game recaps, and we're going to talk about things we like, things we didn't like, and we're going to have our second ever On the Horn segment featuring Bryson Carver from the Carving It Up podcast just a little bit later on in the program. But before I can talk about anything else, I've got to say, I don't know how, but I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to complain. But these New York Metropolitans, the Amazons, if you will, We're in first place. Not only are we in first place, but we're in first place by three and a half games. And lately, it's been a really good time to be a Mets fan. Despite all the injuries, at one point we had $91 million of payroll on the injured list. But it's still a good time to be a New York Mets fan. I don't know how. I I don't know if it's Luis Rojas. I don't know if it's the resiliency of the team. I don't know if it's because we want it more. But again, I'm not going to argue. This past week, uh, the Mets played some really good baseball. Uh, If we go ahead and look at the old schedule, uh, the Mets, and, and also the Mets have been a team that has been heavily impacted by rescheduled games, postponements. Uh, just earlier this week when they played, uh, they were supposed to play Colorado on Wednesday, that game got postponed and it became a double header. The game Friday against the Braves got rained out to be rescheduled at a later date. So, and despite all that, the Mets, the Mets win games. Uh, let's see. Uh, so this past week, Sunday, they lost to Miami. Monday, they lost to, we lost to Colorado. But since Tuesday, we haven't been able to lose. We beat Colorado on Tuesday. Jacob DeGrom came back off the injured list. We'll talk about him in a second. The doubleheader Thursday, we won both games. No game Friday, and we walloped the Braves uh, last night in a game that I had the pleasure to attend in person. And we'll, we'll touch more on that in a second. But the Mets are playing great baseball, and coming into today, Uh, The New York Mets lead the National League East by three and a half games. And to make matters worse for the rest of the National League East, every single team in the division, not named the Mets, lost last night. Uh, Philadelphia, the Phillies, are in second, 25 and 27. The Braves, 24 and 26. Uh, The Marlins, 24 and 28. And in the cellar all by themselves, the Washington Nationals, standing in at 21 and 27. Uh, The Mets' injuries continue to pile up. While, yes, this week, Jacob deGrom and Taiwan Walker came off the IL, Janeshwi Fargus went on the IL. He, much like Albert Almora Jr. before him, crashed into the center field wall, and now he has a shoulder contusion. Uh, No timetable on when he'll be out. But uh, this injured list, is uh, not looking good. They they did say that Pete Alonso uh, is g- going to come back in a couple of days' time. So that's always a good thing. 
And believe it or not, Kevin Pillar, yes, Kevin Pillar, who had several nasal fractures after taking a 94-mile-per-hour fastball to the face in Atlanta, he may be coming back within the next week. Uh, all reports saying that uh, he's been at City Field all week this week, uh, practicing catching fly balls in the outfield. Uh, he will be fitted with a face mask, and he's going to take some batting practice in the next couple days while the Mets are on their road trip uh, that they start tomorrow in Arizona. And he's going to uh, take batting practice uh, with a face mask on to see if he could track the ball uh, and play with a face mask. Uh, usually you see players in the NBA. Uh, Richard Hamilton, obviously the most uh, infamous one, the former Detroit Piston who played a majority of his career with a face mask. So we'll see what happens with Kevin Pillar, but that would be some remarkable news. But other names on the IL, of course, uh, in, uh, that are not looking so good. It was revealed earlier this week that Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto, both nursing hamstring injuries, will be pushed back to July for a return. So um, both guys got hurt earlier this month in May, and uh, they may not be back till July. That's not a good sign at all. Um, Noah Syndergaard had a rehab start earlier this week in a minor league rehab assignment. He was pulled after one inning. Uh, elbow, elbow discomfort. He's going to be shut down for the next six weeks. So uh, that's another bad sign there. Carlos Carrasco, a guy who got hurt in spring training, hasn't thrown a pitch since last season. He further aggravated his hamstring injury. Um, so he's not uh, on the timetable to return till July. So again, another bad sign there as well. Uh, some positive news, as we stated earlier, DeGrom and Walker off the IL. Uh, Kevin Pillar set to return. Uh, in the news, uh, it has been said that Seth Lugo is on pace to return within the next week. Seth Lugo, uh, his presence is going to be huge for our bullpen. A bullpen that's actually not bad. Uh, the Mets are only behind San Diego uh, in top ERA for bullpens. Uh, the Mets have the second-best bullpen ERA in the majors, only behind the Padres. So that's great. He's going to bolster this bullpen, which is good. Uh, speaking of this bullpen, the bullpen has been tremendous. The bullpen is a reason why uh, we've been able to win games. It's pitching and defense because the Mets, up until last night, the most you'd ever get out of them is three runs. And whether it's Aaron Loop or it's Miguel Castro, Trevor May, who would have who would have thought I'm about to say this, but Jerry's Familia, of all people, Jerry's Familia uh, has been a lockdown reliever this season. Edwin Diaz uh, has nine saves and nine opportunities this season, has yet to blow a save all season. And the Mets historically, for the last couple of years, the bullpen has always been rotten. We've we've seen countless times uh, the Mets will have the lead, the starter exits. And the bullpen will come and blow the lead. So the bullpen's been tremendous so far this year. Can't say that enough. And uh, Seth Lugo's presence in that bullpen will only help bolster the bullpen. Uh, back in 2019, when um, the organization started to lose a little faith in Edwin Diaz, they started throwing Seth Lugo out there in save situations. And Lugo actually... Uh, pitched very well, picked up a couple of saves. So I'm very excited to have Seth Lugo coming back. 
Um, the starting pitching has been tremendous as well. Uh, in game one of that doubleheader, Marcus Stroman pitched a heck of a game. It was good to see Marcus Stroman uh, with a quality start. Uh, he started this season 3-0 with a sub-1 ERA. His ERA was at .90 in that time frame. He's been inconsistent since then, but it's good to see Marcus uh, get back on track. And uh, the Mets, like I said, banged up, injured, but somehow, someway, still in first place. Again, I don't know if it's the resiliency or because we want it more or because it's Luis Rojas, but things things looking up. Let's let's talk about the, the, the beating the Braves took at the hands of the Mets last night. Uh, before we get into that, uh, big news coming out of Atlanta in their camp. Uh, Marcel Ozuna, who was already on the injured list with two broken fingers, he was projected to be out six, six to eight weeks. Now he's projected to be out indefinitely because he has been charged with felony uh, battery and assault and family violence. Uh, if, if, you know, those charges do prove to be true, uh, that would be a violation of Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy, which our own Jerry's Familia has been a victim to in the past. So, uh, he would definitely, uh, lose the rest of his season. That's going to be a big blow because he is a big piece of that Atlanta Braves lineup. Um, they're, they're sorely going to miss him. Uh, the Braves just got manhandled yesterday. Five home runs total for the Mets. Francisco Lindor, and this game could have been, uh, this game had everything you could have wanted. Francisco Lindor hits a home run. James McCann hits a home run. Jonathan VR, a guy who was brought here as a backup, who has played a very huge role uh, with all the injuries that, that have gone on. He hits a home run. Uh, Billy McKinney, who we traded for, uh, from the Brewers for a minor league prospect because we so badly needed the outfield help since Janeshwi Fargus went on the IL. He hits a, a home run. And Brandon Drury with a pinch hit home run. So a lot of guys stepping up for this Mets club. Uh, the Mets won 13-2 yesterday. Uh, even Cameron Maben, a guy who we traded for $1. Yes, $1, ladies and gentlemen. Started his Mets career 0 for 26 but he even got a base hit single last night. So firing on all cylinders, everybody's involved. Uh, and it's going to be a shame because a lot of these guys who wouldn't be playing in Flushing, they wouldn't be on the Major League roster if it wasn't for these injuries. I'm talking about the Drury's and uh, the McKinney's and the Cameron Mabins. Um, once, one, once the big guns like Conforto and McNeil and... J.D. Davis and Brandon Nimmo and Albert Almora and Kevin Pillar. Like, once all those guys come back, it's over for guys like, like Drury and and uh, and McKinney and Mabin and, and and all these guys. And even the guys on the bench, Wilfredo Tovar, um, Patrick Mazika, who's become somewhat of a fan favorite in City Field. It's, it's going to be all over for those guys. Um, and it's unfortunate because I like a lot of those guys. And again, I, I got to give credit where credit is due because if it wasn't for these guys who either wouldn't have roster positions on contending teams or they, they, they'd be bench fodder for a lot of teams out of contention like a Colorado or, or Arizona, teams that are rebuilding, no, they're not going anywhere. Um, it says a lot. 
that the team that the Mets can remain in first place with with all these guys contributing. But I mean, it's just it's just a great time to be to be a Mets fan, uh, despite all the injuries. Um, it's just remarkable the resiliency, and I know I keep harping on it, but it's 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 after a while you just get speechless because when you look on paper at the current state of the teams in the NL East, the Mets shouldn't be first. And the Atlanta Braves coming into this series, they, they caught fire. Uh they 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 were they were catching up to give us a run for our money. Um, you know, I want the Mets to win every game, but I didn't think they'd wallop the Braves like they did. Um and I know that losing Marze- Marcelo Ozuna possibly for the rest of the year, that's and they just signed him to a four year deal as well. So I know that's that 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 comes back to put a sour taste in their mouths, but uh, I like what I'm seeing out of this Mets team. I love the resiliency, and now that we're entering into the warmer months, uh, June and July coming up this summer, uh, now that it's going to get warmer, maybe Lindor wakes up. I know I've been very critical of Francisco Lindor, but when you give a guy $341 million, he's got to do more than just play defense. We never paid Ray Ordonez $341 million, and we got great defensive efforts out of him. He just couldn't hit. But hopefully uh, Lindor, who had two hits last night, he um, he got a, a bunt for a single and then a home run. Uh, I, hope, I hope this is the start of him waking up. Uh, if Lindor wasn't struggling as much as he has, I know James McCann will get more criticism. But last night he had a four-hit game. Uh, he was a triple shy of the cycle. So hopefully McCann uh, can keep this momentum up. And yeah, we just we just got to keep it going. Uh, the Mets defensively have been great. There were a lot of questions about the defense, uh, even back in spring training. Uh, Dom Smith, a guy who everybody uh, you know swore up and down that he would struggle in left field. He, he's he's been playing left field very well. Uh, Jonathan Villar's defense has been spectacular. And then in the wake of Pete Alonso being on the injury list, they moved James McCann to first base. And McCann, even though he's had a couple of awkward, quirky plays uh, defensively, uh, you would have thought he's played first base before. So James McCann uh, being over at first looks like he's it looks like he's he's had some experience at first. You would have never thought uh, before before this season or before they even threw him at first that he had never played first before. But he's he's adjusting well. So I'm like what I'm seeing out of this Mets team, and I know 1969 was the miracle Mets, but uh, we got to find some type of name to for 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 this year's team if if they hold up in first place all year long. This has got to be one of the most resilient teams I've seen uh, of all time, and I know I said we would get to Jacob Degrom. Uh, Degrom came back off the IL uh, after the lat inflammation, got a no decision in the contest on Tuesday. The Mets still did win, though. Uh, the decision went to Miguel Castro, his first win of the season. But DeGrom looked good, only gave up one run. His ERA is still under one. He's at .80. Uh, he is the major league leader among starting pitchers in ERA. Um, I think he'll continue to hold on to that for the rest of the season. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is supposed to pitch tonight against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, if it could stop raining and the baseball gods can uh, shed some mercy on our souls, then we will see that happen tonight. If not, he'll go tomorrow against Arizona. Uh, as far as the game tonight, 
don't count Atlanta out. I think the Mets do win this. It's Max Freed versus Jacob DeGrom. Um, do I think the Mets win? Yes. Are they going to win by the same margin that they beat up on the Braves yesterday? No, probably not. Um, but I, I do, I do foresee a, a Mets victory, even though somehow the Mets forget to hit when Jacob DeGrom takes the hill. But that game is scheduled for first pitch, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that game is going to be a nationally televised game on ESPN. So uh, all eyes will be on City Field for this game. The Mets, again, they lead the NL East by three and a half games. They're sitting at 25 and 20. The Braves, 24 and 26. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to take a break. And then after the break, I'll be on the horn with Bryson Carver coming up next on the Metropolitan Report. I'm Alfred Parsar Jr., and we'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast. I'm tuning in with my man, Alfred, host of the Metropolitan Report. That's the only place that I get my Mets news from. Tap in, because trust me, that's crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our On the Horn segment. We have here a fellow sports podcaster himself. One of my favorite sports podcasters and a friend of the show, Mr. Bryson Carver from the Carving It Up podcast. Bryson, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on, Alfred. How you doing? Good. Yourself? I'm doing amazing, man. It's great to be on. Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, before we begin, can you tell everybody where they can find Carving It Up and when it airs? So uh, Carving Up this January, right in smack dab in the middle of the NFL playoffs, we started doing live shows. Uh, you can catch those at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, the podcast episodes of those lives are available at 8, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Anchor, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast. So um, that's uh, that's where you can find my show. Okay, okay. And um, well, I, you, you cover more than baseball. You cover everything. Yes, but- sir. Yeah, and uh, you don't stick to one team like we do here on a Metropolitan Report. But now I'm glad to have you on. I see, and I know you're uh, from listening to your show, and obviously, seeing you have a, a Red Sox hat on your uh, on your head there, you're um you're you're a Red Sox guy through and through. Um, so I guess I guess I'll, I'll begin with our first topic of discussion. Um, so the Red Sox, you guys are having a solid season so far. Um, I actually have a grudge against you guys because uh, you guys beat uh, Jacob Degrom handedly. Uh, you know, in a one in a one nothing game, and then you swept us in that two game set that we had earlier in the season. But um, you guys have fell to second in the uh, in the AL East, but you're only uh, out by a half a game entering today. Do you think that the Red Sox can uh, overtake the Rays? Sure, I mean the Rays have been playing unbelievable baseball. Uh, when you look at these last 12, 13 games, um, you know what surprised me the most about the Red Sox? I thought they were going to be a playoff team this year. Um, I did pick the race to win the uh, American League East and obviously the Yankees in second. Um, the offense for Boston hasn't surprised me that much. I mean, you got guys like Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, Verdugo. Um, but it's the, been the pitching that's that's been, probably been right. the most surprising thing to me. Um, you know, guys like Evaldi have, have really done a great job this year. So um, that, I mean, to me, that's the, that's the number one reason that they, they're they in this position to be just a half game out going into the month of June. So uh, they play pretty solid baseball all year long. Um, and, and, and I like where the Red Sox are right now. Right. And it's surprising to me that Tampa, <clears throat> sorry, that Tampa is in first because in the off season, 
They let go. They, they traded Blake Snell. They let Charlie Morton walk. And those two guys, they're a great, they were a great one too. Some people will tell you that, you know, they're the reason why, a big part of the reason why they got to the World Series last year. Now, now last week they trade Willie Adamas, who is a cornerstone of the franchise, to Milwaukee. So a lot of people had, and myself included, had written off Tampa Bay's, oh, they're rebuilding this year. You know, they, they, they kept, I mean, they kept Randy Rosarena and a couple other key pieces, but I, I didn't, I, I thought that, I literally thought that the AL East would be a Red Sox-Yankees uh, 1-2 division this year. Yeah, and, and Toronto's been good as well. They're over 500. But I think with the Rays, you got to give a lot of credit to their front office. They don't have a lot of big name guys uh, like Boston or like New York, but uh, Kevin Catch is, is an excellent manager. Um, I, I didn't like them letting go of Blake Snell at all. I think he was unbelievable in the World Series and in the entire postseason last year and uh, won a Cy Young a few years back, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they're, they're a well-run organization. They have been for, for years now. And uh, I think we're starting to see that more and more this year. Right. And like I said, because usually, and we've seen it in the past, you know, the 97 Marlins, the 03 Marlins, some of these teams get to the World Series, even win the World Series, and then they just blow up the team and trade every last piece they have. So when I saw that, I I thought, oh, okay, Tampa, Tampa, you know, they're going into rebuilding. Let me ask you, though, I got to ask you, because you mentioned it on your show. Um, uh, either last week or the week before. Let's talk about these unwritten rules of baseball. Okay, here we go. So, obviously, it's no secret if, if you're a baseball fan, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, but the whole Yerman Mercedes, Chicago White Sox, Tony La Russa. So, for those people who don't know, uh, you know, the game is well out of hand, top of the ninth inning. Uh, I think it's like, what, a 12-13 run uh, lead that, that the White Sox have over the Twins. The Twins put uh, Williams Astadio, who's a catcher, on the mound. He's throwing 45-mile-per-hour softball pitches. And uh, Tony La Russa wanted Yerman Mercedes to take. Instead of taking on 3-0, he uh, – and it's funny because this pitch looked like it was out of the zone. So if he took it, he probably would have drew a walk. But he smacked one over the fence. And then uh, Tony La Russa was furious. They throw it, they throw it his guy the next day. He doesn't have a problem with his guy being thrown at. Um, you know, do you think that, like, these unwritten rules of baseball, like, do you think, like, they're outdated and antiquated and have no place in the game today? Or uh, do you do you understand where LaRusse is coming from? Quite honestly, I really don't understand where LaRusse is coming from. I know he definitely comes from an age where, you know, that kind of stuff was, quote-unquote, not acceptable. I think when you look at other leagues, for example, the NFL, the NBA, uh, focus on the NFL a little more for just a second, that, you know, for years, you know, one little celebration, you'd draw a 15-yard penalty and, and you'd hurt your team. And eventually, Roger Goodell had to step back and say, okay, you know what, it, it's, you know, it maybe it looks good on social media, it's it's fun, the players are having a good time, they're not, as long as they're not disrespecting the opponent, let them do what they want to do. And I know a couple of years ago, Major League Baseball had the the slogan, they had let the kids play, like they had some of the big name uh, players, Trout, Judge, Stanton, and you know, kind of getting this message out, like, hey, let's let's have some fun. I think it's ironic that it's happening to the White Sox when you have a guy, you know, as outspoken as like Tim Anderson, for example, who loves to have himself a good time after uh, after smacking one over the fence, as you mentioned. So, um, I think it hurts the game. I think it hurts especially for younger fans. Um, I, th- I think the 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 ratings in that demographic, you know, under the age of eighteen are as low as ever. So. Uh, I think it does. Uh, I think it does hurt in that regard. 
And look, my, my thing is, look, to me, the ultimate sign of disrespect was that they were putting a catcher on the mound, like exactly. you said, throwing 45-mile-an-hour yep. you know, nonsense. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to smack one over the wall. And like you mentioned, we were talking before that you know, when you look at these guys' contracts, if they hit X amount of home runs or drive X amount of runs in, they could get a little bonus from that. So exactly. you know, if one is handed to you, I'm, I'm going to take it. Uh, I remember a very similar situation happened last year in the shortened season to uh, Fernando Tatis. The Grand Slam against The Texas, Grand Slam. Yeah. Yep, and uh, the Rangers were coming out, and I'm like, dude, he just he hit a home run. If you're going to give him something to hit, that that's on you. So um, I think it hurts the game. Uh, I, I I hope at some point we can get to a point where where guys are able to express their personality, and um, and certainly I think it'll make the game that much more popular. Right, and uh, and I was thinking about the unwritten rules last night. Last night I went to the uh, the Mets Braves game where the Mets walloped the Braves, and even though they were up 10 runs, they were still scoring. So I was like, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to throw uncompetitive pitches, expect them to get, to get driven uh, in the gap or over the fence. Like, you know, like you, my, my, my mindset about this whole thing is they're all professional athletes. They are Thank the you. best baseball players in the entire world. So if you don't want the guy to score, you should do what you, whatever you can to make sure he doesn't score. Preach. And, and, and even going to things like football. Like, I know in football, sometimes, you know, you're up maybe six touchdowns and you're, you're in the red zone with one minute left. They want you to take a knee or maybe just run the, run the clock out with running plays. But, you know, if, if, you don't want, if you don't want the guy to score, set up your defense so that you don't let them get a touchdown. That's it. Like, That's it. And and, yeah. and and like you said, it, it's it's disrespectful. Like I understand the game's out of reach. You don't want to burn your bullpen because bullpen arms are very valuable, especially in today's game. Yeah. But to throw a position player out there because you're you're down by X amount of runs, like what do you expect? Because you you wouldn't do that in a competitive game. No, no, and and that's you know you're you're waving the white flag, but you know it's it's a nine inning game. Finish the game out. I remember. Uh, years ago, Nick Saban's first year at Alabama, they were getting crushed by Auburn, and um, and and there was Auburn was up like two touchdowns with that like I don't know a minute left in the game, uh, like they were like inside the ten yard line, and everybody expected okay Auburn's just gonna take a knee, but it is the Iron Bowl. These two teams don't like each other. Auburn right. scored a touchdown. They won by three, uh, three scores instead of two, and uh, they asked Nick Saban about it because you know Alabama fans were just freaking out. He said. Well, let's let's not let him score next time. We don't have to worry about this. So right. I, I I completely 100% agree with you. Um, play the game out. It's it's nine innings. Uh, you know, don't 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 disrespect your opponent by by putting a catcher out there. Right. And and going back to you bringing up college football, this is why I respect college football. How many times on Saturdays have we seen Clemson beat up on a on a lesser team, 75 to 10 final score? Nobody yeah. complains about 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 losing by 65 points. As embarrassing as it is, but uh, definitely um, go, going around the rest of uh, the rest of the majors here. Uh, it's an interesting division in the uh, the National League West. Um, you've got San Diego at the top of that division uh, for a stretch last week. The Giants were at the top, and everybody expects the Dodgers to to run roughshod over that division. Um, and it seems to be the most competitive division in all of baseball at least to me so far this season. What, what's your opinion on the NL West? Well, starting with the Padres, since they're in first place, um, 
I, I, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did win the division. Obviously, I did pick the Dodgers to take the West after uh, after the season was over. But um, you look at the young talent the Padres have. Obviously, Fernando Tatis. You got guys like Hosmer, Machado, um, and the the great pitching staff they had there, led by Yu Darvish. Um, so it, it, it's a great team in San Diego. Wouldn't shock me if they got to the World Series. We all know what the Dodgers represent. They're the defending champs. They got Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, uh, Max, uh, you know, Max Muncy, Muncy. Uh, Turner. I mean, they're just stacked across the board. Pitching staff's unbelievable. Um, so I, I didn't see them being in third at this point. I think the Giants are definitely the surprise team in here. Um, but, you know, again, it goes back to how valuable pitching is in, in, in Major League Baseball. So um, give the Giants credit for being in this position. But I, I said before the year started, I thought the best two teams in the National League were in the West, obviously the Dodgers and the Padres, and I think we're yep. seeing that manifest itself. Yep, and, I, and I'm very surprised at the Giants because if you look at the Padres – and you look at the Dodgers, both teams have superstars. Of course, Tatis and Machado in San Diego, and then everybody and their mother on the Dodgers, from 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 Walker Bueller to Kershaw to Betts to Bellinger uh, to now, well, even though I think it was a fluke last year, even Trevor Bauer, if you want to throw him in that conversation. But the Giants don't have any superstars, because it's safe to say Buster Posey is past his prime. Uh, Evan Longoria is past his prime. Then you've got guys like like Brandon Crawford. I do think that in a couple of years with some more seasoning, Mike Yastrzemski could really be a really big mm. problem. Yes. Um, I, I think that kid is going to – he might even be as better than his dad at, at one point, depending on how his development goes. Um, that kid can really hit for power. But And then you look at their pitching rotation. They don't really have any big-name starters. Johnny Cueto passed his prime. He's not the Johnny Cueto from the Reds. Um, Alex Wood, Kevin Gossman, like none, none of them, none of them are, are big name starters. So I'm really shocked by that, by that San Francisco team. Um, the fact that they were in the, in the division lead and now they're even, they're even in second and one and a half games. The fact that they're even over 500 is, is amazing to me. Um, but then you see those three teams and then you look at the other two teams in the NL West, Colorado is like one of the more mind boggling stories because at home, they can't lose, but on the road, they can't win. So it's like, it's like the case of, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yep. No question. And, no, you, the, the two teams at the bottom are clearly rebuilding in the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And then the worst part is I, now I understand why Arenado wanted out of Colorado because on paper, when Arenado was there, you had Arenado story and Blackman, but you know, I guess you need, I need, I guess you need other intangibles in order to, in order to win. Um, Switching gears to the uh, NL Central, I think the surprise of the NL Central is also the Cubs. Um, the Cubs lost a, a couple of key pieces uh, in the offseason. Of course, Kyle Schwarber and John Lester both went to the Nationals. Um, Javi Baez has been in a, over a year and a half long slump. So, you know, and then there, there's rumors that, you know, uh, what's this guy? Chris Bryant may not end up staying there past the trade deadline. So what what are your thoughts on the way the Cubs are looking? The fact that they're even in second place over 500. Well, they've gotten hot over the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I think when you look at the key guys that are still from that championship team, the the big three, Rizzo, Bryant, and um, and Baez. Uh, like you said, ba Baez has not been the same. It seems like since 2019. Um, again, when you, you know, as 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 someone once said, you never underestimate the heart of a champion. You know, you got the the former catcher there as the manager in 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 in, in Ross. So. Um, I don't anticipate they'll win the Central. Um, I think that's probably going to end up going to the Cardinals are the best team on paper, no question about it. Um, 
But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs did, did end up getting the postseason like they did last year and, um, you know, give them credit for being where they're at. Right. And then, of course, do, do you think Milwaukee can make a run to maybe try to at least get a wild card? Because they're, they're the team everybody discredits. I mean, of course, last year in the, uh, in the shortened COVID season uh, with the expanded playoffs, they were the only team to make the playoffs that were under 500. Um, of course, and just like how Baez is in the slump, Christian Yelich hasn't been the same since 2019 either, nope. which is a shock. Um, but the Brewers, like we said earlier, they traded for Willie Adamas from the Rays last week. Uh, they went ahead and got Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, they got Colton Wong as an offseason addition. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely making strides. And I think that, and this is, this is me being completely unbiased, because if you ask me, the Mets right now have the strongest bullpen. But when I see Devin Williams and Josh Hader back-to-back, mm. Devin Williams could be a closer on any other team in the league. No doubt. And the fact that he's the setup man for Hader, that that's not a, a bullpen or, or or a guy in the eighth inning followed by the ninth that I'd want to face if I was another team. No, both of those guys are unhittable. I think with the Brewers, you know, I've, I've kind of been the opposite of most of it. It seemed like the national media. I've loved the Brewers these last couple of years. Thought they were the, the Dodgers' biggest threat. Um, Yelich hasn't been the same, like you mentioned, since 2019. Uh, they have been aggressive, so maybe that gets them over the top. Uh, again, like I said, still got the Cardinals winning, winning the division, but maybe, maybe there's, they're one of these teams that comes out of nowhere, gets hot in October and, you know, makes a run for against the Dodgers or the Padres. Um, the, the pitching's great. They, they've, they've, you know, got, you know, they're one of the better defensive teams in the national league. So if they're able to put it all together, they can be dangerous. Yeah. And the, and the Brewers, you know what I think for a lot of teams, not just the Brewers, I think 2020 hurt a lot of teams overall because of 60 games. Now it becomes a marathon instead of a instead of a sprint, and a lot of those teams played sixty games in what fifty eight days. Not to mention COVID protocols turned some games into doubleheaders. Um, so it, it's rough. Let me ask you though, and a lot of people I talk to share this same sentiment, but the extra inning rule with the man starting on second base, I personally hate it. I feel like it cheapens the game. I understand that Major League Baseball wants to speed up time. They don't want anybody in the ballpark for for five, six hours. I remember at one point in the World Series a couple years ago, the game started at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and and the fans didn't go home till 2 a.m. So, I mean, I I, I understand wanting to speed up the game, but what's your thoughts on this extra inning rule? I think that game you're bringing up is actually a game between my Red Sox and the Dodgers. Yes, and it you is. missed you missed it actually by a little bit. The game started around eight Eastern and eight ended. Eastern, I, yeah. I watched it, uh, put myself through misery watching it till dear, darn near three in the morning. So uh, you know, I, I think that game, and I know Alex Rodriguez talked about it in the past. That that game might have been kind of the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, uh, in changing this rule. I definitely get why guys like you, why pitchers in the league, you know, don't like it putting the guy at second base. Um, but, but again, I, I think I think baseball doesn't want to, to, you know, play to the reputation that okay, the games last forever, and when we go into extra innings, we're, we're just going to be here for another two and a half hours. Um, I don't hate the rule personally. Um, I, I definitely did get why some people don't like it, but um, you know, you, you shorten the games, you give you know the team with the best, you know, the best offense, the, the best chance to win. And so I think that's what they're rewarding at the end of the day. Right. I'll be very honest with you. When I first heard of the rule, I had no issue with it. But then when I saw because I'll never forget the very first game that that rule was enacted last year. It was the Angels and the A's. They went into extra innings. And the very first batter that came up when the guy was on second to start 
he bunted. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not swinging a bat? You're not putting mm. – I felt like that just cheapened everything. And then also – Changes also, the strategy. Yeah, and then also I'm also thinking, well, you got a man to start on second with nobody out. If you – depending on who's on second, if you even get a single up the middle or a slow roller, that man is scoring regardless. I feel like it just makes it easier for, for the home team at least because imagine being the, the visiting team – and somehow you don't get that man from second home. Now it's it's kind of demoralizing. Yeah. So, and with all the rule changes, I'll tell you which one I do feel strongly about that I actually like. I like the fact that double headers are now seven innings as opposed. Totally to agree nine. with you. Because, and I was telling this to a friend of mine uh, a couple weeks back. I said, imagine a team like the Mets. Like my Mets are banged up like crazy. So imagine you get guys who just came off the IL, like. Uh, a Pete Alonzo or, or somebody else. And now, of course, Pete Alonzo is one of your star players. You're never going to have him sit in a doubleheader. And imagine you go from 18 innings to 14. Those two innings could, a lot could happen in those, in those, in those four innings that you're missing. So that I definitely do mind. However, I, the players union, when they, when they signed this agreement, they had an option take the extra inning rule or go with universal DH. I would have rather them go with a universal DH over over, yeah. over the uh, the extra inning rule, even though I'm more of a tradition guy, even though I hate unwritten rules. I prefer to, you know, watch National League Baseball only because the pitcher hits. So I've never been a fan of the DH, even in the American League. But if I had to pick one, I would have definitely went universal DH more so than uh, more so than the uh, the extra inning rule. Um so let me ask your opinion on this. So I know they're speaking of rules there. MLB is like um, playing with a lot of rule changes in the minors. So, you know, they're, they're having uh, ex- uh, bigger bases to, uh, to shorten the distance between uh, first and second by about three inches. Um, they're going with a pickoff rule where you could only attempt to pick off a runner twice. If you go for a third time and don't get him, then the runner takes second base automatically. Um, they're in, in low a minor league ball. They're, they're, they're trying to have a robotic strike zone. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on all these rule changes that they're, they're testing and want and that, that they want to implement? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I, I'm, I personally am not a fan of the, you know, the, 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 the bases that are bigger than, than the usual. Um, it's not like guys, you know, normally if you, you change something, it's usually because you're trying to fix some, a problem that's going on. Right. I don't think stealing has ever been really an issue. Uh, in Major League Baseball, so I don't, you know, the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So um, I, I don't really understand that uh, that point of view from from you know from Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball in particular. Um, the pickoff rule makes no sense to me at all. Um, I, I, I don't get why you gotta you know put a limit on, on on you know whether you can get a guy out. Most of the time, you're not. I guess from from their point of view, they're saying okay. Rarely are, are in in today's game are guys picked off, so you know maybe we can shorten the game in a way. I, I guess that's where they're coming at it from, but uh, I just don't really see the point in it. Right. Well, I, I could tell you personally uh, from my, my time going to Mets games, there are sometimes in, in a, at bat, a guy will throw over the first like five or six times before he actually gets a guy out or, or whatever is going to happen at the plate. But uh, to, to go on your point about the bigger bases though, imagine if in the eighties and early nineties, those bases oh. were bigger Ricky Henderson would have had way more, <laughs> yeah. way more stolen bases than he does now. No but, doubt. Uh, 
No, but I, I think I like you said. If it if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Like I and I understand that baseball out of the three major American sports, uh, the NBA, the NFL, MLB. I think it's safe to say MLB is third in the popularity aspect. And and for the longest time, like I feel like it's been it's been a big conversation. You know, they got to do more things to get to get more people to watch baseball. And I don't honestly, I don't know what else they can do. Like, I think it's a problem that'll just never, never, never be fixed. I mean, I, I just can't think of anything because, you know, baseball has a, a national television contract, the same amount as as the NFL and the NBA. So so it's not like they don't have an outlet to be seen. It's not like it's the NHL where they're just stuck on one channel. Um, they have like the, just like the NBA with junior NBA, MLB has their uh, their RBI program where they're getting all these little leaguers uh, to play baseball. So I, I just don't, I, I just don't think of anything. I can't think of anything that they could possibly do to, you know, get more eyes on their product. Uh, what, what's your opinion on that? I don't think there's necessarily a rule change, like one specific thing you can change that would, you know, draw more, more viewership uh, to these games. I think, and we talked about this earlier on, I think they need to do a better job of promoting their superstar players. Yeah. Um, I think it does hurt that arguably the best player, uh, although that hasn't really been the case this year, but you know, we would all recognize the best player in baseball is Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Yeah. Doesn't help that he's on the, the second most popular team in his own city. Um, in, on a, a team that has absolutely no shot to win that division with the A's and with the, the Astros. So um, I, I think that's the number one thing. The NFL, and, and I think the NBA more than any of the leagues, they, they do an amazing job of, of putting their stars out there, um, you know, marketing them and, and, and getting, uh, you know, with the NBA shoe sales, with the NFL's jerseys. So um, I think that's something that baseball could do a little bit better job of. But outside of that, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know if there's really much more you could do. It's all a matter of preference. It's all a matter of, you know, did you grow up around the game or, uh, you know, did you, did, did, do you have that, uh, uh, I don't know, motivation, I don't know if that'd be the right word, but the, uh, the, the drive to go to, to, to go see a, a baseball game, because uh, I think baseball more than any other sport is, clings to, for better or for worse, clings to history also more than any yeah. other sport. Mm -hmm. And so that maybe that, I don't know if that necessarily helps. Um, so maybe that's something they could address as well, but um, you know, there's definitely certain things you could look at. Yep. And, uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was on, uh, our friend Barry's all even podcast, um, as far as like even trying to introduce kids to the game is difficult because with basketball, all you have to do is just go to your local sporting goods store, buy, spend 20 bucks. And then there are, there are courts all over the place. Football, same thing. You could, you maybe not tackle, but you, as a kid, I played a lot of touch football, but baseball you need more than just a baseball. You need a bat. You need gloves. And you need enough people to field a team. Two yeah. teams, actually. Where basketball, you could play two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. Football, you could have anybody, any amount of ki kids against each other. But baseball specifically needs nine-on-nine. -nine. And then also, you got to find a field. You got to make sure the field is properly taken care of, or else you can't play on it. Um, as somebody who, who spent 12 years of their life playing baseball, I can... I could tell you all about how messed up fields can actually hurt you. So, um, I like like you said, I just don't think of anything else that they could do. And it's funny you mentioned it that baseball is more tied to history than anything, because even if you look at it, and I don't like to talk politics at all, but 
Um, how many times has the president thrown out the first pitch at an opening day game? Plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, also, people want to go into history. Then, you know, you got to talk about Jackie Robinson and breaking the color barrier and how MLB wasn't integrated before 1947. I mean, and, and, and actually, shout out to Rob Manfred, because when he said that he was going to uh, count the Negro League yes, in the Major League. no doubt about it. I, I, I applauded that. So definitely, um, I don't think we would have seen that if, if, uh, if I, and that's, it's, it's crazy, too, to think about, because if either Manfred wasn't the commissioner or the things that happened in 2020 didn't happen in 2020, I don't know if we would have ever get seen Josh Bell get acknowledged on MLB website. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it, it's funny that you say it's tied to history because the history of baseball hasn't always been publicly friendly either. Sure. So that's what I said for better or for worse, you know, that's, that's kind of what they're dealing with. Right. And, and it's, and it's funny to me because I look at ticket prices because I attend games of, of all sports and MLB, like if you're looking for the absolute cheapest ticket, Major League Baseball sometimes is like the most affordable game to get into. Uh, speaking personally for me, you could get into City Field at a Mets game for nine bucks, the cheapest mm. ticket, de- depending on who they play. I don't think you could get into any any NBA arena for nine bucks no. to watch a game or, or any NFL arena. Well, unless it's the Jets or the Jets, <laughs> any, uh, any uh, NFL arena. But I mean... Oh man, it's it's just it's it's just rough. Let me ask you uh, your opinion on another topic, Albert Pujols. Um, uh, how did you feel the way the Angels handled him? They they said their reasoning was uh they DFA'd him because he wanted to be an everyday player. He comes out and says I never told him I wanted to be an everyday player, and now he's actually driving and runs for the Dodgers. And yeah, fact, yeah, and the fact that the Dodgers signed him. So like, what's your what's your take on that? I was really, to be completely honest with you, a little pissed off with how the Angels handled the entire situation. Um, I think it was, you know, when a guy's in a farewell tour, okay, if you want to trade him, that's completely different than than DFAing him. You know, that's uh, and and I am I am happy that he is with with the Dodgers now. He's got an opportunity. Obviously, he's he's been a major contrib- contributor already. Uh, he's got an opportunity maybe to go out uh, with a bang with a ring. So um, you know that that aspect of it. Uh, I guess made the situation feel a little better, but as far as specifically how the Angels handled, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of messed up to, to be to be honest with you. You know what their handling of him reminds me of? It reminds me of the way that uh, the Giants in football uh, let out let Eli Manning just sit there at the end. Mm. Like when you got a guy, and and this is my opinion in all sports, the Lakers. Yeah, we saw how the Lakers treated Kobe Bryant at the end, which was very classy. But in my opinion, when you've got a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt, uh, a guy who up until his body started breaking down was a perennial all-star at every level, um, you, you, can't, you can't treat him like that. Like, even if the guy just wanted to ride the bench. like, And we even see it with the Miami Heat. Like, Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam. Yeah, he's never going to get into – he's never going to get into the Naismith Hall of Fame, but he'll get into the Miami Heat ring of honor. And look. Yep. They keep re-signing the guy to one-year uh, uh, veterans minimum deals, and he's still on the roster, still suited up. He doesn't play, but they're letting him stay there. So you can't have a guy like Albert Pujols, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, two-time World Series M- uh, champion, former MVP, uh, Rookie of the Year. You cannot have a guy like that and just treat him like that. Like It's just wrong to me. 
especially because for a period of time, Albert Pujols could have been considered one of the faces of baseball. Yeah. So for them to do that and then for them to go come out in the press and say, oh, well, he said this, and then Pujols turns around and is like, I never said that. That also rubbed me the wrong way because somebody's lying. And I don't think, I don't think Albert would have a reason to lie, especially because he signed that 10-year deal for all that money. I'm pretty sure if he would have finished the season with the Angels, he probably would have just retired after the year. Depending on how he does with the Dodgers, he might he might come back for another year or two. So, it's possible. Yeah, so I mean, and and who knows? Maybe this is the kicker that that motivates him. So, but I don't. You can't you can't treat a guy like that. I like even the Yankees. The way they let CC Sabathia go on his farewell tour, like all classy moves, but. Like the Angels, it says a lot about their 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 front office and their management to just DFA a guy like Pujols. And kudos to the Dodgers for for taking him up. I think it says a lot. I mean, the, the word I describe the whole situation on the Angels' part is just disrespectful. That's the word I'd use. But I think you know, not to be too harsh here, but I think you see around sports. You mentioned with the Lakers with Kobe, the Yankees with Sabathia, and obviously with Jeter back in 2014. Yep. The Red Sox with David Ortiz in 2016, like. The well-run organizations who are used to winning, uh, or at least the Red Sox in the 21st century are used to winning, um, they 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 recognize okay who who got us there, and and we're gonna we're gonna pay respect to to what you've done for our organization, for our fan base, for our city for uh, for years, and and that's uh, I, I get you know Pulhos he'll always be remembered as a Cardinal I get that, but I, I think it's just I, I think it's just flat out messed up. To, I mean I just I, I just hated the how it was, how it was handled. Yep, and then even even my team, like the Mets, the way the way we sent off David Wright, a guy who didn't play for two years, and then magically we put him in one game and gave he got a standing ovation from City Field. So, like I, you gotta you gotta you gotta treat your 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 once superstars who are now on their last legs. You gotta send them out on a on a good note. You can't just you can't just put them behind the shed and 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 put one in between the eyes like old Yeller. Like you just. It just doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Um, let me ask you a question more more so about you because I know we've been talking about baseball uh, for a while. So, um, how did you become a Red Sox fan? Let's see. Well, obviously, you know, I, I grew up. My dad played. Uh, uh, you know, loved the game of baseball, and uh, you know, I played little league for a while. That was pretty much where my athletic career ended was little league. But um, I, I think there there were two. I always say there's two players that that made me fall in love with the, the Red Sox, and it was Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz. You know what they did for that for that franchise for years. That the way the way they played. I think maybe what endeared me the the most of the Red Sox is, I mean, how many how many series comebacks have they had in the last you know 15 years? They had obviously the 3-0 comeback against the Yankees, which helped break the curse, was unbelievable. Uh, they darn near had a 3-1 comeback against, or they had the 3-1 comeback against Cleveland. In 07, yeah, I, I think they almost came back from through one down in Tampa Bay the following year. Uh, so it, it was kind of the they were kind of a little old school in the way they played. Uh, they hit for power, but they still had guys like I mentioned, like Pedroia, like um, you know Garcia Parra, that were uh, you know just kind of nitty gritty players. Yeah, and so that's that's probably what endeared me the most to the Red Sox. And obviously, you know the championships don't hurt either. Right, and then you said you played little league baseball, so I'm guessing um, playing little league is what got you to be a baseball fan to begin with. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay. Um, now, even though you're a Red Sox fan, is there any other teams in the league that you enjoy watching? 
You know, I, I almost became a Dodgers fan uh, a few years ago uh, when when I first you know really started watching baseball on an everyday basis. Um, yeah, you know their history. Obviously, they they uh, up until last year they haven't won since '88. But um, I, th- I think the way they've run their organization, their farm system is top notch. Uh, but they always have a great pitching staff. So uh, I almost became a Dodgers fan. I was going to become a Cubs fan until I was reminded about at the time the the long century long uh, curse, and I was like, I don't want any part of that. So. Uh, I, I just kind of kind of passed, but um, yeah, I mean, th- th- I, I wouldn't say there's a a team that I consider myself a fan of, but uh, you know, I, I was I was happy for the Dodgers when they won last year. I, I did feel good for the organization and and for the fans, what they you know have been through the last 32 years, and and so uh, I guess if I had to pick one team, it'd probably be the Dodgers. Okay, and um, what about favorite players to watch or or any players you like to keep an eye on throughout the course of the season? Man, I, I, and he, he's new, but I love watching Fernando Tatis. Oh yeah, um, he's on he, my list. He, he's he's so fun to watch. You know, Mookie. Obviously, he was with us for years, and uh, you know, we, we for some reason or another traded him to the you know best team in baseball. I don't, I'm still trying to figure that out. But I mean, you, uh, did, you did get Alex Verdugo. back. We did, and I like Verdugo. Yeah. But he's he's. I mean, I really do. He's, he's he's you know he hits for average, but he's he's not Mookie Betts. So. Uh, yeah, I, I love watching Mookie. So those those are probably the two guys I love watching Arenado. Uh, you know, you know, on both sides. So um, those are probably be the three: Arenado, Betts, and and Tatis. Okay. And uh, have you gone to any games this year? I have not gone to any games this year. Okay. And um, last question for you: favorite ballparks? Mm. Obviously Fenway. Um, always wanted to go to Wrigley Field. I'd love to see a game at Wrigley someday. Um, I love, I'm trying to remember what's called uh, in San Francisco. Um, uh, that's uh, Oracle Oracle or, um, yeah, Oracle, great American ballpark in Cincinnati. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I, I used, I was more of a fan of obviously the old Yankee stadium than the new Yankee stadium. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess if you, if you, if you could put a category of deceased ballparks, that'd probably be at the top of my list, but, right. um, yeah, I mean some some of those some of those parks I'd I'd absolutely love to see a game at someday. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on Wrigley. Uh, I've always wanted to go to the more older stadiums. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know when the Mets will ever play Boston again, but if they, uh, I would t- I would take a trip up to Boston to go to Fenway. Definitely want to sit in Wrigley. You know all the uh, older ballparks that are still around before they uh, get demolished or for some reason or another. Always had a fascination with uh, Milwaukee because of the slide in center field. Yeah. So. And then uh, definitely San Francisco, like you said, because uh, honestly, if I went to San Francisco, I don't even think I would go to a game inside. I would probably be in a in a paddle boat outside McCovey Cove trying to catch a home run ball. But even though the days of Barry Bonds are long gone, but yeah, definitely. Uh, so before we wrap things up, Bryson, just uh, let everybody know where they can find you again. So uh, like I said, Monday, I, I wasn't clear about this earlier. I, I live stream Mondays. Uh, Thursdays and Fridays. Tomorrow I'm actually going to do uh, Monday afternoon since it's Memorial Day, uh, not do it that night. But uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. And like I said, the podcast episodes of those live streams are available at, at uh, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. So uh, I appreciate that you watch the show. It uh, means a lot, and hopefully everybody else out there will as well. Yep, and uh, for everybody who's out there listening to this, uh, Bryson knows his stuff, covers baseball, basketball, football, and everything else in between. 
And uh, I'm very glad that you uh, took the time out to uh, chat with me. I feel I feel like it's an honor. Anytime like I, <laughs> anytime like there's somebody who who out there that I watch, and especially watch religiously, and then they come on the show, I'm like, yeah, this is. I feel I feel like I've accomplished something getting them on the show. So that means a lot, man. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you, bro. No doubt, it's a pleasure. All right, have a good one, Bryson. You too. We're gonna take a break, and then. We'll come back from the break and wrap things up. You're listening to the Metropolitan Report. I'm Alfred Parsar Jr. Do you have an event that needs a design? How about planning? You can take care of all your event needs with ARJ Signature Design, run by Alnisa Reed Jenkins, where you can get custom floral designs, event designs, set designs, as well as retail and commercial installs. You can get all that done by Alnisa Reed Jenkins of ARJ Signature Design with event planning and event designing and is also a family-run business. Again, that's ARJ Signature Design and you can go ahead and get your free consultation by contacting Ms. Reed Jenkins at ARJSignatureDesign.com They do a great job and again, if you need any event florals, custom floral designs, or set design, whether you're commercial, retail, or personal, ARJ Signature Design can get the job done for you. Again, that's ARJSignatureDesign.com for your free consultation now. And we're back on the Metropolitan Report. And my final thought before we wrap things up. It was my final thought last week on the last edition of the Metropolitan Report. Khalil Lee. The guy who's touted as the seventh overall best prospect in all of baseball. The Mets prize acquisition in that three-team trade between the Royals, the Red Sox, and us. And I said it on the last edition of the report, and I'll say it again. Khalili is not Major League Baseball material. He's not ready. And... Why do I say this? And they're like, oh, he's young. Let him let him do what he needs to do to get better development, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen. If Khalil Lee was ready, why did the Mets go out and trade for Billy McKinney when they had Khalil Lee to play the outfield? Answer me that. If the Mets believed in Khalil Lee, why did they have games where Brandon Drury, who is a second baseman who can play the outfield, why did they put him in the outfield and not Khalil Lee? Answer me that. As much as Cameron Mabin has been struggling, oh, for his first 26 as a Met, as much as he's been struggling, why is he given more opportunities than the young kid? Say what you want about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and how they mishandled Pujols as myself and Bryson Carver spoke about earlier. But they did do one thing right. They have a prized top prospect on their 40-man roster. You may or may not have heard of him. His name is Joe Adele. They didn't think that he was ready. So you know what they did? They sent him back to the minors. For more seasoning. And that's what I think they should do with Khalil Lee. Because now you've benched him. 
he's probably lost a little bit of confidence. Send him back to Syracuse so he can get more seasoning because, yeah, he's the number seven overall prospect in all of baseball, but what good is it to have him on the major league bench, not developing, not doing better? Guys like Kalia Lee need nine innings of baseball consistently to get better. Having him only be a pinch hitter or only getting in the game because you're up by 12 runs, that doesn't do anything for him in his development. Does nothing at all. Like, I don't I don't see what the big deal is of keeping him on the roster. Uh, there are a couple of veteran free agents that you could go get if you need a body. But I don't but but just looking at him, Khalil Lee strikes out way more than 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 is acceptable. And that's another issue uh that we could tackle for another day because strikeouts shouldn't be acceptable in baseball. Strikeouts twenty, thirty years ago was a big deal. Now a guy strikes out, oh we'll get it next to bat. Like Tony Gwynn said, I'd rather uh, hit a ground ball back to the pitcher than to strike out. But I don't... Khalil Lee should not be on the Major League roster. That's that's my wholehearted opinion. My humble opinion. And I'm going to keep harping this way until either one of two things happens. The Mets send him back down to Syracuse or he just has a breakout game and proves that he belongs on the roster. But until then, my opinion is going to stay the same. Send Khalil Lee back to Syracuse, and if the Mets are in need of a body that badly, there are plenty of veteran free agents you can go out and get. Because when Cameron Mabin, who's having a trash year, is getting opportunity after opportunity and they don't let the young man play, instead of letting him rot on the bench and not develop and not learn, send him back to the minors where he could get Nine innings of baseball consistently. Like the Angels have done with Joe Adele. Send him down for more seasoning until he's really ready. Yeah, they called him up because of need and uh, the Mets needed bodies to fill out the roster. But we all know Khalil Lee had things not gone the way that they've gone with the Mets getting injured left and right. Khalil Lee wouldn't be in the show. And that's my opinion and we're going to stick to it. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of the Metropolitan Report. Uh, the Mets do play the Braves as long as there's no rain postponement. Uh, it is still raining as the time of this recording, but hopefully um, the rain lets up and the baseball gods let us have a game. Uh, otherwise, the report will be back on Wednesday. We're going to go back to our bi-weekly schedule. Uh, Wednesdays and Sundays, new editions of the report. I am Alfred Parsar Jr., and this has been another episode of Metropolitan Report. I've said everything that there is to say, so the only thing left to say is, let's go Mets!